My name is Caleb Denman. I lead the creative and production teams at DCC. Thank you so much for listening to the Church in the City podcast. We hope that you enjoy this message, that it enriches and encourages you today, and that it serves towards fulfilling our mission of empowering a movement of passionate Jesus followers. Amen. Amen. Good morning. It's good to see y'all. The few, the proud, the ones that showed up on 4th of July weekend. So I, uh, <clears throat> I had the opportunity not long ago to officiate a wedding. And <clears throat> you may not know this about me, but weddings are like at the top of my list of my favorite things to do. Ever since I started to minister and had opportunities like that. It's just always been one of my favorite things to do. I I believe so strongly in marriage, in the biblical institution of marriage. DCC believes so strongly in that, and we love it so much. Um, I I just, I I can't tell you how much. I will tell you this, that marriage, marriage, the, uh, the covenant union between a man and a woman was the first institution that God created on the earth to carry out his purposes. And there's something really, really, really special about that. So I was at this wedding, and there's this little girl there, and she's super cute. And uh, I, I overheard this conversation. Clearly, this is her first time uh, ever being at a wedding, so she was full of questions. So she was asking her mom all sorts of just cute, you know, little kid kind of questions. And one of the questions she asked is, Mom, why is the bride wearing white? You know, and the mom, I think not knowing exactly what to say, was like, well, you know, white is the color of happiness. And this is like the happiest day of her entire life. And the little girl looks at her mom and says, well, then why is the guy wearing black? That didn't really happen. I made all that up. <laughs> but it makes the joke better when you think it's a real thing. So anyway, today we're going to be talking about the way out is through. And I really believe that this is a word in season for a lot of us. Um, I mean, worship was awesome. Amazing. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much, Lori, Sarah, Van, Nate, everybody. Of course, my wife and Isaiah, but just it was so good. And obviously, you can tell there's a theme here, right? There's a theme going on here. And um, and uh, I love it when that happens. We do this thing, right? So, uh, you know, we oftentimes we have these series, you know, times and we plan out what we're going to speak about from the front. And, and, and we'll have a six-part or a seven-part or a three-part or whatever. And then when we don't do that, we just do what we call taster's choice, which means who's ever slotted to speak just gets to speak on whatever is on their heart to speak on. And so this is a week like that. And I wanted to speak on this topic, the way out is through. And then all of a sudden I show up this morning and here's this just beautifully orchestrated, uh, unified 
theme that's happening here. And so I really, really believe that this is for a lot of us. I know it's for me, uh, and I think it's for sure for many others. And I'll say this. Many times in life, we find ourselves having fallen amongst various trials. Financial trouble, physical challenges, sickness, relational difficulties, rejection, loss, so much more. For most of us, we want to be rescued somehow. We want God to just make it stop. Or better yet, we want to be miraculously transported. I was, I was in the book of Acts this week, and uh, I, just, I love that story of the Philip, the evangelist, who's, who's uh, you know, the Lord tells him to go down to the road to Gaza, and he's down there, and he sees this Ethiopian eunuch, and he gets up in this chariot, and he's ministering to this guy, and he gets baptized, and all of a sudden, it says, the Lord took him. The Lord took him. And all of a sudden, he's in this place, he's in this place called Azatos, or something like that, right? It's the old city of Ashkod, right? The old uh, Philippine city uh, there on the coast, and it's literally about 20 miles from where he was. So like literally like one minute to the next, he's like miraculously transported. So I don't know about you, but there's a lot of times in my life where I want that to happen. And I've even, okay, I've even asked for it. God, seriously, remember that thing you did with Philip? That was really cool. How about some of that right now? Because I don't like where I am. We just want it to stop. We want to be back in a place of safety and comfort, right? We want out. We just want out. But no. That's not usually how it works. Rather, God says, take my hand and let's walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. Keep your eyes on me. Psalm 23, one of my favorites. If you ever have a chance, you're looking for something to read, find a book called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. It's by a guy named Philip Heller or something like that. Joseph, I don't know. Anyway, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. Find it, check it out. Probably at your local public library if they still have those. Psalm 23. Listen to this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and faithfulness will follow me all the days of my life and my dwelling 
will be in the house of the Lord forever. There's certain parts of that that I wish read just a little differently. But no. The way out is through. I want to tell you three things today. Number one, the slings and arrows of the past season did not destroy us. Number two, we are further along than we think. In fact, we are right on track. Number three, now more than ever, we must maintain a single-minded focus on Jesus. The other night we had a gathering of some of our elders and uh, Nan uh, had a word from the Lord that she wanted to share with us. And she came and she read this word to us and it was powerful. And so we're actually making space for that. Um, it's going to be really cool. I'm really excited about it. So I'm really excited for all of you to hear uh, what the Lord is saying as we kind of shift seasons. But on our first Sunday in our new building, we plan to have that. Uh, so everybody gets a chance to hear that. I'm just going to read you a small excerpt from it this morning because I, I felt like this was really, really um, relevant to what we're talking about today. This has been a season of spiritual turmoil and turbulence, of emotional upset and upheaval. Relational discouragement and disappointment, but God has brought us through. Many feel battered and bruised, tattered and torn, but we are still here. Such a good word. I think that was Hannah that shared that. Just whoever said, no, Shauna, the scars, scars, scars are on the living. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so good. You don't worry about scars on dead people. That's the least of their worries. The Lord has been so incredibly faith. That wasn't in the words. That was, off, that was sorry. I'm going off the page here and try to rein it in here. All right. Back on track. The Lord has been so incredibly faithful to us. He has kept us, protected us, preserved us, and provided for us. At times, we didn't know if we could take any more, but he strengthened us. He calmed us with his presence. We have been developed, equipped, stripped back, and prepared for what's to come. Sure, the next season will have sharp turns and more shaking, but it will also be full of suddenlies and surprises. We have made it through. I really believe that is profoundly true. But I will also say, kind of tag teaming on what Kelly shared with us this morning, 
A lot of times, we're standing at the edge of having made it through. And we don't even know what to do. We don't even know where to go. You feel like your muscles have undergone atrophy and you can't even hardly stand. Can you imagine, right? I mean, I mean, yeah, I know I can. And sometimes you just don't know where to go. And I'm telling you what the Lord is saying to me so clearly. I know this is so, so, so simple. What the Lord is saying to me so clearly is take my hand and look at me. Take my hand and fix your eyes on me and let's go. And some days we may sprint. And some days we may stroll. Some days maybe I'll limp a little bit. But he says, take my hand and let's go. And I want to read this to you. This is the scripture that the Lord's placed heavily on my heart this morning. It's in James. James chapter 1. James, a servant of God. And of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Consider it pure joy. If I didn't believe that was inspired by the Holy Spirit, I'd say that was the most foolish thing I've ever read. Seriously. Consider it pure joy when you face trials. That is absolutely ludicrous. I heard someone say one time that when they read that, they had the picture of extending the right hand of fellowship to trials in their lives when they come and inviting them in and saying yes, knowing, knowing that, knowing what, what happens from there, this whole, this whole kind of progression. But let's unpack this just a little bit. Consider it pure joy. Not joy mixed with grumbling. Not joy mixed with complaining. Pure joy. These trials that we're talking about, and James goes on to explain this later. We won't go to that part, but he goes on to explain this later that 
The Lord is not tempting us with sin. Trials come into your life, various trials. It says, when you fall amongst, in the King James, the King James says, when you fall amongst diverse trials. And it's almost like, think about it, it's interesting, they're talking about the Good Samaritan in there. I was, think, I was thinking about it yesterday. It says that, you know, in the, in the story of the Good Samaritan, there was a man that was on his way from Jericho to Jerusalem. And it says he fell amongst robbers. Like, here's this guy, he's just walking along, and he fell amongst robbers. Like, what does that mean? It just means they surrounded him and did what robbers do. Well, sometimes in my life, I feel like I'm just immediately, suddenly, without notice, without any kind of preconceived inclination, all of a sudden, I've just fallen amongst trials. They've surrounded me. And trials do what trials do. They try you. (laughs) But let's be on the same page. This isn't God coming in and trying to tempt us with sin. This is life. Sickness comes. Things happen. Relational difficulties, challenges, all of this kind of stuff, it happens. It's part of being alive and on this planet with the other humans. I'll digress for a quick moment and repeat myself from the last time I had an opportunity to speak. Let's talk for a minute about fairness. Because I feel like I need to bring this back up again. Because I know for me, somewhere along the line in my life, even though growing up, my parents always told me that life wasn't fair. Somewhere along the line, there are other voices that crept in. And somewhere along the line, those voices somehow influenced me to believe that life was supposed to somehow be fair. That... Difficult things shouldn't befall me because they're not befalling that guy. Well, that's not fair. That I shouldn't have to be financially responsible. I shouldn't have to stay away from the buy now button on Amazon. (laughs) Who else loves that button? Buy now, buy now, buy now. You have to put in your information. Just buy now, buy now, buy now. <laughs> Talk about instant gratification. That's one of the most American things I've ever seen. So, so, <laughs> so fairness, right? So. I shouldn't have to be financially responsible because that guy over there is not financially responsible. They just do whatever they want, rack up tons of debt. That happened there. That happened there. That's happening to me. Why is that happening to me? That's not fair. This should be happening to me in the same way that it's happening over here. God, that's not fair. God, why can that happen for that person? Why doesn't that happen for me? I've been believing for this one thing. I've been praying. I've been on my knees. I've been crying out. And all of a sudden, you pour out that thing on somebody else. That's not fair. Garbage. Baloney. Life isn't fair. God is not fair. God is just. God is good. And he loves you. God is just. God is good. And he loves you. Nobody ever said he was fair. He's not a tame lion. 
if we could stop with the idea that when trials come, they shouldn't be there. That's the basis of this, right? Is that we sit there and we think to ourselves, that shouldn't be happening. Okay, should, shouldn't, I don't know, but is. Let's stop wasting our mental energy, our prayer life, and our emotional resources on figuring out whether it should or shouldn't and say, it is. God, how do we walk through it? God, I want to take your hand and I want to fix my eyes on you because I know the way out is through. I know that you're good. I know that you love me. I know that you're just. I know that sickness isn't from you. I know that death isn't from you. I know you're the author of life. I know you're the author and the giver of everything good, of light, life, and love. I know this to be true. And because I know that when something comes into my life, I have to say to myself, okay, God, this is here. It's a fact. This is here. What do we do? What do we do? Where are we going from here? Because then and only then can I truly endure. Because otherwise, I'm just going to complain. Because this is unfair. This shouldn't be happening to me. If you look at this, consider pure joy. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing, and that word testing means proving. Proving. The testing or the proving of your faith produces perseverance. That word perseverance also translated endurance. Steadfastness. Cheerful endurance. How about that one? Cheerful endurance, constancy, staying power, the ability to stand up underneath the thing and say, God, lead me out. God, lead me out. Show me the way. Teach me. I want to learn. I want to continue to grow in my endurance. And here's the great thing about this endurance. Maturity is the result of enduring. It says this. It says Let endurance finish its work. Let it have its way. Let it finish its work. Now, in the Greek, the verb tense there would be better said, let it have its way and keep on having its way. Let perseverance keep on having its way in you because what's happening is that it's working in you toward maturity, toward completion. Toward fullness, right? You're fully complete in Christ, 100%, lacking nothing. But I don't know about you, I'm not today walking in 100% of that fullness in every area of my life. I would love to. But it's this type of endurance that produces that maturity, that draws us deeper to where we get to the place where we're like, yeah, wow. I look back and I go, man, the things that I'm enduring this year, they're different than the things that I was Enduring last year because, man, I let endurance have its work in me. And it produced maturity in those areas. And so now I don't have to revisit those areas and I'm continuing to walk in those areas. But the reality is, is that the whole idea of this process of renewed mind, right? We've been talking about walking with a renewed mind. This is a, this is a journey that we are on. 
One of my favorite things Eugene Peterson ever said is, in the company of Jesus, there are no experts. We are only just beginners. We're all learning. We're all followers. We're learners. That's what it means to be a disciple. It means to be a learner. So we're learning. We're growing. We're letting endurance have its way and have its work. And when we are in need, And James uses wisdom. But I like to broaden the scope of that a little bit. When we are in need of wisdom, insight, perspective, truth. If anyone lacks any of these things, let him or her ask God. Let him or her ask God who gives liberally, graciously, generously, without finding fault. He doesn't go, eh, Kev, I know you're asking for insight into that particular area, but you were a real jerk to your wife yesterday. So, no. I'd never be a jerk to my wife, but I'm just using that as an example. Maybe that rings true for someone else. He's not sitting there going, going, okay, wait a minute. Let me look at your record and see if you're worthy of me giving you insight or truth or, or depth or revelation or wisdom to walk out of this thing as we're walking through. He says, if you lack anything, ask and he will give it. But, 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 but. But, ask in faith. Because if you ask and you don't believe that you'll receive, you're double-minded. This is a strong word. And you know what? Sometimes I am. I'll be honest. Sometimes I am in that camp of being double-minded. Because out of one side of my mouth, I'm asking. And out of the other side of my mouth, I'm going, God, I ain't going to show up in that. And you know what? When I find myself in that place, I need to repent. And I say, Lord... I repent from that. I'm asking in faith. God, I believe you are who you say you are. I'm going to stop with the grumbling. I'm going to stop being cynical. I'm going to stop being this, you know, in that space, in that head space of going, yeah, I really wish that would happen, but it doesn't usually happen for me. So I don't think God's really going to come through. Because it says, it says, let that person not expect to receive bupkis from God. That's the Greek word, yeah. Actually, I think that's Yiddish. Ancient Hebrew. Single-minded. 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 Focus on Jesus. Remember, We are followers of the living Christ. We are not followers of a dead God. Thank you for that, Shauna. We are followers of the risen Christ. We are followers of the living God. We are not followers of a book. As amazing as the words in this book are. And as important as they are. 
But we're not followers of a book. We're followers of the living God. And the living God brings life to the words on the page in this book. And he speaks to us. And that's amazing. But so many of us get tripped up in that. And the Trinity becomes the Father, Son, and the Holy Scriptures. But we, friends, are followers of the living God. We serve the amazing, ultimate, great, holy, triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who has revealed himself to us in the Holy Scriptures. And that's an amazing thing. But we are followers of a person. We are followers of Jesus, the Spirit of Christ, revealed to us in the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you. I get focused on a lot of other things. Popular psychology, philosophy, Fox News. The Lord has been speaking to me so loudly over the last few days about this. In this next season, in this next period for myself, and I'm just passing that encouragement along to you, he is calling us to look, to fix our gaze, to fix our eyes on him. You know, I love the story. Jamie and I talk about this one all the time in uh, the Chronicles of Narnia. There's one of, the, uh, one of the books that didn't make the films, The Horse and His Boy. And in The Horse and, the, Horse and His Boy, Aslan... And I can't remember the boy's name off the top of my head. He's, he's leading him. Uh, and they're leading him in, at night. And Aslan tells him, you know, take hold of my mane so you don't lose your grip. And they, and they walk all night. And it's not until the morning that they find out, that he finds out when the, when the sun comes out and it's light, that they had literally been walking on the edge of a cliff. And that Aslan had been between him and the cliff the entire time up this mountain. And he had no idea. In fact, he grumbled and complained the whole time. Just like me. In Romans 5, I found this powerful statement. Therefore, this is the statement that started the Protestant Reformation. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through whom we also have obtained our introduction by faith into his grace in which we stand. And we celebrate in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also celebrate in our tribulations. Knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. And perseverance, proven character. And proven character, hope. And that word perseverance is the same word as in James. Endurance. Cheerful endurance. Steadfastness. And Paul is writing, he says to the Romans, he says, we celebrate the hope of the glory of God. And to the same level of celebration, we're celebrating the difficult things that we walk through because of what we know is 
down the road from those things. We're not going to sit around and say, this shouldn't be happening. God, that's not fair. Now, we may say, God, I know that's not from you. That's okay. Okay, cool. Call it what it is. Speak truth. God, that is not from you. I know your fingerprints aren't on that thing. But I also know that as we walk out of that thing, you're going to show me something great. You're going to give me beauty for ashes. Some of the most destructive things that have ever happened in my life have led to some of the most glorious. Why? Because God produced the destruction? Nope. It's not in his character. He's not a destroyer. But because in it, when that destruction happened, he led me out. And he led me into the next thing. And it was beautiful. Proven character. That's the other one that got me in that, in that passage in Romans. Proven character. Same word, tested. Tested character. Character that's been through fire. Faith that's been through fire. Friends, listen. I'm not trying to sound insensitive when I say any of this. Because hard things are hard things. And life comes with hard things. So to say that we should consider it joy shouldn't discredit that things are hard. It doesn't discredit that things are hard. It's not a flippant statement. It's an encouragement to persevere. Bless you. It's an encouragement to say, God, I want what you want in this season. I want what you want in this season. This hurts. My heart is broken. People abused me. People neglected me. People rejected me. This thing happened over here. This difficulty befell me. I fell amongst these trials. It's happening to me. This isn't something that I said, I want this. Man, that's another one. I wish we could dispel that myth in the church, right? Because people are going through difficulties doesn't mean God's mad at you and you did something wrong. Okay, maybe you invited something into your life that shouldn't be there. But one doesn't necessarily automatically equal the other. That's, again, garbage and baloney. Trials happen. Things befall us. We fall amongst things. It happens. And in the moment, in the time, when we are walking through the valley of the shadow of death, his rod and his staff are in his hands. Again, plug for Shepherd looks at Psalm 23. The rod and the staff were significant. The staff, you think about that crooked shepherd staff. 
That staff, that staff is for leading. That staff is for guidance. That staff is to reach down into a pit and grab a lost sheep and pull it up. That staff is a staff of help. That staff is a staff of, 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 of servant leadership. That staff is a staff that says, wherever we go, I will lead you and I will guide you. It's not to be confused with the rod. And that rod is not for the sheep. That rod is for predators. That rod is for the lion and the bear. That rod is for the enemy. And he has both firmly in his hands and only one of them is for you. And so while we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we take whatever, we take his hand and we say, okay, God, lead me, lead me, guide me, guide me, lead me. Friends, God is saying, come on, son. Come along, daughter. Take my hand and let's walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. Keep your eyes on me. The way out is through. And again, we have made it through. That's okay to clap for that. I didn't say it. I think God did. Listen, we've made it through. We're standing on the cusp. And at this point in time, it's like, okay, God, where do we go from here? And he says, look, just take my hand. Let's go. The signs, the, 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 excuse me, the slings and the arrows. Remember this. The slings and the arrows of the past did not destroy us. And whether we know it or not, we are a lot further along than we think. In fact, we are on the right track. So now more than ever, we must maintain a single-minded focus on Jesus, steadfastly holding on to him as we walk through and into the next season. I know that's for me, and I'm positive that it's for some of us, maybe all of us. And I'm going to read one last thing, and the band can come. Therefore, this is Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance. That's that same endurance. That's that cheerful steadfastness. The writer of Hebrews, when, when they wrote this and they talk about this great cloud of witnesses, who are they talking about? We just, you know, earlier on read about, you know, all these heroes of faith. A lot of them martyred and, and sawn in two and, and, and all kinds of other stuff. And so these are not necessarily stories of people that had it all easy and comfortable. There's not a lot of that here. 
But what there is, is there are story after story after story that God never forsook them. That God never left them. That he led them. That he was with them. That he never left me. He never ever left me. I look back, I look back some days. And I marvel at God's track record. Because it's, it's not like mine. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. The author, perfecter of faith. Who for the joy set before him. Endured the cross. Despising the shame. And has sat down. At the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of Our Church in the City. If you like what you heard, please give us a five star review wherever you listen to podcasts and share this episode with a friend as we are fulfilling our mission of empowering a movement of passionate Jesus followers. And if you haven't yet, check out our sister podcast, Deeper. It features a rotating panel of hosts and participants from the DCC family talking about the messages you hear on this podcast. You can find it on this podcast feed and on our YouTube page. Thanks again and goodbye for now.